Hey everyone, I've got some exciting news. We're unlocking Southpaw Deep Space Nine Season 2 and making it available for everyone on our public feed. But if you love our work and want to be the first to listen to Season 3 as it's being released, head over to Patreon. There you'll find break-free versions of past SDS9 episodes, Southpaw and Fight Study, and our other bonus show, Fighter's Brew. You'll also find our Liberation Martial Arts program, which is exclusive to our supporters. It's for beginner and advanced martial artists, as well as people just looking for fitness and rehabilitation. It's a gentle, wholesome, and embodied approach to training. Lots of individuals, trainers, families, friends, collectives, activists, and organizations are already using it. So if you want to support our work and get early access to all our great content, including Season 3 of SDS9, go to patreon.com slash southpawpod and join our community. You can also go to southpawpod.com and find the links there or on our show notes. Thanks for listening and catch you soon. This is Southpaw Deep Space Nine Season 2, where we analyze Deep Space Nine and Star Trek from a political and historical lens, episode by episode. I'm watching DS9 with fresh and hopefully less fan-biased eyes. And normally Scott is here, but he's sick. So unlike our usual format, it'll just be me exploring DS9 alone. But considering the number of episodes there are in the series, the show must go on, but let's wish Scott a speedy recovery. On this episode, I am discussing Season 2 of DS9, Episode 17, Playing God. And since Scott isn't here, I'm also going to give you the play-by-play. So let's go. We start off with meeting Arjun, a Trill initiate who is looking to get joined with a symbiont. And Jazia Dax is in charge of his field training and also deciding if he is fit to join with a symbiont. In the past, Dax has eliminated 57 hosts from the program. So throughout the beginning of the episode, it's a lot of Arjun sucking up to Dax. And in the scenes where Arjun is seeing her, we're seeing the side of Jazia Dax where it's supposed to play on her quote-unquote masculine Dax side. So she's being sporty, she's gambling, things that are considered quote-unquote male activities, especially at the time. This all makes Arjun believe this is still the same old Curzon Dax. Now on Ops, O'Brien and Kira are hunting down Cardassian voles. They're becoming a problem, chewing through the wires, causing breakdowns in equipment. Then later, Dax and Arjun leave on a runabout into the wormhole and back. And then we find out 
Arjun is an ace pilot. Dax keeps telling Arjun that you don't have to worry about impressing me, but throughout the episode, we find out that's not true. Jazia Dax is also very judgmental. During the flight, the runabout runs through a subspace interface pocket and it snags some type of subspace, what they call seaweed. And then they bring that back to DS9. O'Brien and the crew are going around exterminating the voles. Back on the station, Dax wants to study the subspace seaweed. Then later, Dax and Arjun go to a Klingon restaurant where it's portraying Arjun as kind of being milk toast, Dax as being rough and tumble, a quote-unquote tomboy, can get down and dirty with even the Klingons. Dax then meets up with Cisco and basically kind of complains about Arjun that he's not host material. But Cisco acts as the voice of reason and says, hey, you know, if you have issues, maybe you should talk to him about it. And throughout the episode, the voles are causing more problems. And this is kind of the levity of the episode. And then we see kind of a nasty side to Dax where she's becoming more and more belligerent and judgmental and critical. And she's being really hard on Arjun. And then Arjun feels betrayed and defends himself and lashes back at Dax. And then that causes a big thing and he feels guilty. And now he feels like he's ruined his whole career, which actually shows the power dynamics and the power disparity. And then you also wonder if Dax got to this position because of the symbiont. Dax later discovers that the subspace sample is very complicated, that it's growing and expanding, and it is showing patterns similar to the expansion patterns of a universe. The subspace seaweed is actually a proto-universe early in its formation. It becomes kind of like the Vol problem where, (laughs) what do you do with this thing? And then Dax discovers that there's actually signs of life in the proto-universe. Within that proto-universe, their conception of time is much quicker than the universe that the DS9 crew exists in. So for now, they don't know what to do, so they're allowing it to expand and destroy parts of the station. Kira wants to destroy the proto-universe like she wants to destroy the Vols. Comparing it to stepping on ants, which is kind of very Cardassian in thought. And so Odo is the one who's like, I don't step on ants, Major. Odo is the one defending life. Then there's a scene later where Jake is talking to his dad. And Jake is talking about a girl he likes. But then you find out it's not a girl. It's a woman. It's an older woman. It's a Dabo girl, which is a problematic term. And I guess... She recognizes that too and wants to be called a Dabo woman. And we don't get to meet her yet, but it's teasing that they are going to meet in a future episode. Then we find out from Jazia that Curzon Dax was really mean to her too. So it's becoming kind of this like vicious cycle. And so in approaching him and trying to make amends is trying to break the cycle. And then Cisco is like, we need to take that proto-universe back through the wormhole. And so getting the proto-universe back in the wormhole and not have it destroy this universe was kind of like this big thing. But then when they go to do it, it's not that big of a deal and they put it back in place and it's fine. 
But part of this is because of the ace piloting ability of Arjun. He saves the day. And so by the end, Arjun and Dax squash it. And that's how the episode ends. So we learn being adjoined is a blessing and a gift, but it's only for the best and brightest. So only the already privileged get the privilege. Only the rich can buy homes. Only the elite get the elite jobs. Only the already technological get the best technology and information that comes with that. Only whites get books and learn to read. The joined metaphor is a simple way to differentiate liberalism from egalitarianism. Liberalism creates more inequality, but argues that that's fair, which is a lie that this country tries to make sound like a self-evident truth. So really, liberalism, colloquially known as meritocracy, is really playing God, a cruel, unfair God who plays favorites, who multiplies advantages and disadvantages rather than leveling the field. One line that stuck out is when Dax was asking Arjun, what can you do as a host to advance the symbiont? So it's like compound interest. The symbiont keeps getting more valuable and valuable because it knows more and more. The symbiont then is like a living God, only growing in knowledge. And so in a way, getting a symbiont makes you like a demigod. Liberalism finds its roots in Greek culture, and you see that here. So not only are you playing God by deciding who gets favors, but the accumulation of favors also makes you more godlike. So you think about then old money and whiteness versus somebody who has been generationally poor and has had housing insecurity. You can't even describe those differences by just talking about economic factors, just talking about income inequality. It really is comparing gods to poor peasants. Another line that Dax says is, it's an opportunity too rare, too important to waste on the wrong candidate. Damn. That's fucked up on so many levels. No wonder the candidate lashed out. It's a kind of argument racists and misogynists use to not sound so bigoted while still being exclusionary. It's stuff Hollywood and publishing use to shut out writers of color. But do you see the problem here? If you never give them the opportunity, how will they get the experience you're looking for? It's meant to permanently shut people who are already out of the system out. It's to prevent them from ever getting in the system. Because the logic is circular. If you have privilege, you get more privilege. If you don't have any privilege, you don't get to have privilege infinitely. Now, this might be a hot take, but this whole joined system sounds like eugenics. Jazia only lived in this program to become an uber trill who gets to elevate to the next level. What the fuck? Again, liberalism. It has an ability to normalize and make palatable creepy and unequal things. Now, Odo is the one arguing for respecting all life forms on this episode and not committing genocide. And Kira is the one arguing for genocide. The dynamic between these two is complex and getting more complicated. I do enjoy that. They often swap roles. They're close because they're interchangeable in many ways. Not just their job roles, as we've seen in past episodes, but also their positionality. But Kira also has this sense of nationalism that Odo doesn't. So that also creates complex dynamics. 
So in this episode, the Vols, the Proto-Universe, and Arjun were all allegories about playing God. And then we get to see how the characters we know deal with that. And when faced with these situations, we find out not everyone acts the way you think they would. In fact, it's Odo who is the most anti-genocide. Something I often talk about is how when you become the most powerful country in the world, for all intents and purposes, you become God. Now, one way to think about this is, well, what do we do with this power? Not questioning whether you should have this power or not. It's just assumed that you should. But the other way you can think about this is, should you have that power? Who are you to have that power? Who are you to make those decisions? So I'll leave it at that for you to think about. But overall, I thought this was a good episode. But the acting by the guest star is pretty stilted and wooden, especially because he's an actor that acted a lot in the 90s and 80s, but this wasn't one of his better performances. Now, the whole proto-universe subplot wasn't that important to the overall plot, same with the Vol plot, and it became the story about one person, the one individual, becoming more important than what happens to these species or a universe which is also very liberal, right? Individualism, focusing on the one rather than thinking about systems. But this episode did address a question I bring up often, that whether they recognize it or not, the Federation and DS9 crew do act as gods. But like I said, who are they to act as gods? That's my question. And often, because they see non-humanoid life forms as ants, they do violent terrible things nonchalantly without ever addressing it or giving a pause or a moment to reflect like, oh shit, that was kind of a fucked up thing, which also is a bias of the writers. Or maybe it's the producers. Maybe the writers were like, hey, can we talk about this? And the producers were, you know, maybe producers are like cops. Like, no, you can't talk about that. Maybe they're policing the writers. I don't know. The next episode is Profit and Loss. And it's an episode that revolves around Quark and Garrick. And that combination is magic. Until then. Ta-da-da!